Welcome to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Jeff Loftus, author of Lead Like Ike, 10 Business Strategies from the CEO of D-Day, part two of two. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Jeff Loftus, author of Lead Like Ike, 10 Business Strategies from the CEO of D-Day, part two of two. The Strategy Driven Podcast focuses on the tools and techniques executives and managers can use to improve their organization's alignment and accountability to ultimately achieve superior results. These podcasts elaborate on the best practice and warning flag articles found on the Strategy Driven website at www.strategydriven.com. In this special edition podcast, Jeff Loftus, formerly the Vice President of Communications for the Society of Corporate Secretaries and Governance Professionals, shares with us his insights on the leadership lessons of General Dwight D. Eisenhower, the American CEO of D-Day, and how by applying these lessons, business professionals can achieve far greater success in today's challenging and rapidly evolving business world. And so now, without any further delays, let's get started. Now, Jeff, earlier in our conversation, you had mentioned a couple of examples of problem generals. One, of course, Eisenhower did have shipped back stateside. Another one, he did not. Of course, Montgomery being the one he did not. Patton, we haven't talked in detail about him, but he was also one of these problem subordinates for Eisenhower, created problems on a number of occasions for Eisenhower. Eisenhower, though, had a decision process he would go through when he had to make that determination of do I keep the problem subordinate or do I have to eliminate the subordinate? Could you tell us a bit about Eisenhower's criteria for determining whether or not that person would stay? And then how did that criteria ultimately prove out to be beneficial? Sure. The criteria that Eisenhower used was, despite the guy's problem causing for me, is he contributing to fulfilling our mission? And with Friedenahl, he realized that the man was inherently non-aggressive, and he wasn't going to become aggressive, and so he would never contribute to the success of the mission. With Patton, Patton caused him many problems repeatedly, the most famous being the uh, soldier slapping incident in Sicily. But every time Ike thought about firing Patton, he thought, this is the most aggressive, brilliant general I have. And someday he's going to win some major victories for me, and he is going to advance the cause of our mission. And so he kept him. And uh, he literally made that, he went through that process several times during the war with Patton. But every time he decided, I have to keep him because the day will come when I need him and he'll deliver. And that did happen during the Battle of the Bulge where Patton 
was the man who relieved uh, Bastogne, and he did it in a maneuver where he pulled his troops out of one engagement, shifted them in a completely different direction, and marched to Bastogne. And he had troops, enemy troops behind him and enemy troops in front of him. And he just moved at an incredible speed. And this is a, a maneuver that's practically impossible by military doctrine. And yet Patton pulled it off. Uh, so Ike was correct in assessing him as being able to contribute to the mission. With Montgomery, yeah. uh, again, the criteria is, does the guy contribute to the success of your mission? Montgomery was the British military star. Um, he was, you know, Elvis Presley in a, in a British military uniform, and he, uh, the, the Brits loved him. He was the first British general to beat the Germans straight up in a fight. Yes. And because of that, he could do no wrong. The fact was he wasn't aggressive, and he was arrogant, and he was nasty to his uh, fellow commanders, and not just to Americans. He was nasty to Brits. Um, very few people liked him. He didn't get along with anybody. And um, Ike went through a process similar to what he went through with Patton. Mm-hmm. He was constantly being forced to consider, do I keep him or don't I? Does he contribute or doesn't he? Ike felt it was absolutely essential that the D-Day organization was an allied organization, that the Brits felt that they were playing a major part. And if he fired Montgomery, he felt that there was no way the Brits would feel they were being treated as equals. Yes. That Montgomery's PR value was so big that it overwhelmed whatever personal problems I had with the man. So he kept him. Okay. Yeah, again, uh, a, a true go-no-go decision based on does the individual contribute to the organization? Yes. Okay. Now, Jeff, in Lead Like I, you also highlighted 10 key business strategies that our leaders, mm-hmm. our readers could uh, learn from Eisenhower. Now, we don't have time to cover all 10, but I was wondering if there was one in particular, above all mm-hmm. the others, that you saw as being more important. You might be able to tell us a little bit about that particular business strategy and then why it's the one that's important. Uh, the, the one that's most important in my mind is being honest. Um, you and I were talking a little earlier about what makes a great leader and uh, the lack of leadership we see in America. And one of the things we were talking about were a lot of personal qualities, personal yes. values. And I think one of the things you see in leadership these days is people think that it's just something you can learn and that you can model behavior and that you can, you know, follow this checklist of behaviors. And I don't happen to believe that stuff. And I think it's one of the reasons we see uh, a failure of leadership. It's why the financial sector got into such trouble a couple of years ago because nobody there was leading uh, in any substantial way except toward more profit. It's yes. why we're in trouble with BP in the Gulf. It's because those folks weren't leading us to anything except their own personal profit. There was no um, 
you know, core personal qualities or values that made them great. And, I, you know, I know this is the kind of soft stuff that people don't like to hear about, you know, how do you measure return on investment and blah, blah, blah. All I know is that Eisenhower faced greater pressure than virtually any business leader has ever faced. And the thing that I believe got him through was that he was honest. As I said before, he was honest in his communication, and that was both up to his board and down to his employees and sideways to his fellow executives and commanders. But he was honest with himself, about himself. He was honest in terms of taking responsibility. And, for instance, right now, uh, Tony Hayward, uh, when talking about the BP oil disaster, uttered that notorious line of, I wish I could get my life back. Yeah. Now, you were in charge of the operation that killed 11 people. Mm-hmm. And you want your life back? That's your your takeaway from this situation? Uh, yeah. It's just a staggering failure of, of leadership, but it's a staggering failure on a personal basis. It's Tony Hayward, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yes. How could you even think of uttering something like that? What? Just where is your heart? Where is your... Uh, you know, you wish you could get your your life back. You've had a bad couple of weeks. These folks lost their lives. And, oh, by the way, your company has destroyed entire industries. But, you know, you want your life back. Now, you compare that to Dwight Eisenhower's note of um, uh, in the early morning hours of June 5th after he had launched the invasion of Normandy. Uh, it hadn't actually hit the beaches yet, but it was on the way. Uh, so before the results were known, uh, with literally thousands of lives hanging in the balance and without knowing whether they were going to succeed, mm-hmm. and knowing that failure would be a catastrophe, he penned a very short note about what he would say to the media and to the public if the landings failed. And he said that the landings have failed. I have withdrawn the troops. The decision was made on the best information available. The Army, the Air, and the Navy did all that bravery and devotion could do. The blame is mine alone. The blame is mine alone. And he was planning to say this with thousands of young men dead in the surf on the Normandy beaches. And uh, you compare that to, say, Tony Hayward, I want my life back. Yeah. And Dwight Eisenhower knew that if he had to utter these words, it was going to be a catastrophe. He would have been sent back to Washington in disgrace. And worse, you know, all those lives would have been lost. All the wounded would be in who knew what shape. And millions of people in Europe would be dying under the Nazis. And he knew all that, and he still wrote that note. Now, it would be easy to say, yeah, but he never had to deliver it. We don't know if he would have taken the blame. In September of 1944, three months after D-Day, Operation Market Garden was a failure, a massive failure. Uh, Operation Market Garden is famous. Um, It was done in the book and then the movie, A Bridge Too Far. And 
it was a Montgomery plan, a Montgomery operation. Um, it was a strategic failure. It was a tactical failure. The casualties for the four days of Market Garden were more than the casualties of the first day of D-Day, of June 6th itself. Yes. And, um, and when it was over, Monty said it was the weather and it was logistical problems. That's why we failed. And mm-hmm. Eisenhower said, I messed up. It's my fault. Yeah. You know, so we know that actually when disaster occurred, I didn't shy away. He just stood there and said, it's my fault. Yeah. And I think that that's an astounding thing, that Montgomery blamed the weather, and I said, it's my fault. Eisenhower was truly a man of character. And that, I think, is why honesty is the most important strategy. And if you aren't a man of character, then you need to look into your soul and become one. And I yeah. know that's corny and it's Frank Capra-esque, but frankly, pardon the pun, I think we need more of that. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you. I think we need a lot more of that. And and that leads me into my last question. You know, Eisenhower embodies all of those characteristics of leadership that we admire most. He was a man of integrity. He accepted accountability, and he always remembered and acted for the greater good. Yes. And as we've just talked about, we just don't see that in many of today's leaders. And Mm -hmm. time and again, I hear arguments such as, well, you know, we have this evolution of a 24-7 news cycle – uh, we've got reporters embedded everywhere, whether it would be with our troops in the field or whether it would be in every nook and cranny of the Capitol building or the White House. The speed at which information is transmitted now is instantaneous. It's not like mm-hmm. it takes weeks to come across the big pond. You hit send and it is around the world. Yep. So the question becomes, can a leader that is Eisenhower-like, that is a leader of principle and of character, of integrity, can that person rise and survive in today's world, or have we so created circumstances that would prevent an Eisenhower-like leader from actually being able to lead today and be successful? I absolutely believe another Eisenhower is possible, that we could have another Eisenhower. Um, I think that all the things you mentioned are true, but they are just the details of turmoil, of crisis, of pressure. And I think that um, in immense pressure, uh, think of it like a, 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 a steel uh, or, you know, iron ore being smelted into steel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the intense heat that burns it pure and turns it into steel. And I think the intense heat of a crisis is what produces the, the great leader, that all those qualities come to the fore because the man or the woman has it to begin with. Um, so I, I don't think that the details of crisis and of pressure, all the Internet and the communications and the 
the savage media and things like that, yes, those all generate pressures of their own. But you look back at what Ike was handling during the war, it's hard to imagine that anybody is facing pressure any worse than what he was. Mm-hmm. He knew that every decision he made, every decision he made was balanced in thousands of lives. In, in many yes. cases, tens of thousands of lives. And he had to make those decisions over and over and over again. It's not like he did it once in the span of a few years. He had to do it repeatedly. And he kept doing it. Um, the other answer I'd like to give you to that question is mm-hmm. somebody asked me a question similar to this and I found myself answering without thinking and I sort of discovered the answer as I answered it if you know what I mean. I, I saw yeah. my words hanging in a speech bubble like in a cartoon and I thought oh mm-hmm. that's true and I when I started this project I thought Eisenhower was a good man and a good general the more I have researched him and come to know him, the more I am convinced he is a great historical figure. And yeah. the person he most reminds me of is George Washington. And if you had told me at the beginning of this project that I would be comparing Ike to George Washington, I would have said, you're crazy. You know, George Washington is a towering figure in global history. Well, I've now come to believe that so was Eisenhower. And my point here, you ask, could another Eisenhower arise? Yes. But guys like Washington, like Eisenhower, they don't come along all that often, actually. Yeah. They are extremely rare. And this country is very lucky in that at a few crucial moments, we've had a Washington, we've had a Lincoln, um, we've had Eisenhower. You know, when we've needed them, in fact, these people have stepped forward. And I still believe that there's the possibility for that kind of thing because I still believe in our model, for instance, of um, citizen soldiers and citizen sailors. When we need them, they do show up and they prove that they can fight professional armies and professional navies the world over and win. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's because of their commitment. It's because the forge of the pressure is producing their pure qualities, like the iron and the steel. So I still think it's possible. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, for the you know arguments that I was, I guess you could say I was making, uh, I think I was just reiterating them from what mm-hmm. other folks have used as excuses. When you sure. have an individual who is truly someone of character, Character doesn't need to think about the decision. They know the decision because they are, are, are so well grounded in their own personal values and in character that all these things are really just excuses of, well, speed. You have to act faster nowadays. Well, mm-hmm. if you're truly a person of character, you already know what the decision is. And you know it because you're steeped in those those core values and in, in character. I don't think Eisenhower would have had a problem with a 24-7 news cycle or the Internet or embedded reporters. He'd have been no, just fine. I don't either. 
Yeah, because he's he's truly an individual who is a person of character. They may not have used those those kinds of words or terms, but I think the people around him reacted to him that way. They realized that he was different and that he was a man of character, and they respected it, and yeah. so it worked for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Jeff, before we close, you have mm-hmm. a website, and it's www.jeffloftus.com that provides a lot of additional resources on the leadership lessons of General Dwight D. Eisenhower. Could you tell us a bit about your website and the resources our listeners can find there? Uh, There are um, a number of excerpts of the book. Uh, Some of the columns I've been able to write for Forbes.com and for CNBC.com are available on my website. An interview I did with ABC News is available on the website. Uh, So a number of, uh, I guess, additional resources on Lead Like Ike are accessible there. And that was a great ABC interview, by the way. I did watch it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And and we're going to put a link from the article that accompanies the podcast to your website. So with one simple click, our readers can get right to your website and enjoy the resources there. Great. So, Well, Jeff, I want to thank you not only for the time you shared with us, but for your insights on the successes and struggles of an individual who is truly one of America's greatest leaders. And I know I've mentioned it before, but I really thoroughly enjoyed Leap Like Ike, and in particular for not only the historic, but the contemporary context that you framed Eisenhower's leadership strengths and weaknesses as well, and how you brought them to life to show their applicability today and how we can learn from Eisenhower and ourselves do better, whether it's in our place of work, in our place of worship, or in the community organizations that we're involved with, or in our homes and our personal lives. So I'd really recommend that our readers pick up a copy of Lead Like Ike. But more importantly, that they apply the leadership lessons that you present, because I know that will help them further their success in their personal and business lives. So thank you again for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast. I would like to personally thank Jeff Loftus for being with us today and sharing his insights on the leadership lessons we can learn from the CEO of D-Day. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider voting for us on Podcast Alley and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Jeff Loftus and Lead Like Ike at www.jeffloftus.com. Until next time, so long.